You're listening to Robert Wright's Non-Zero Podcast. I'm Mickey. Hey, Bob. I'm, I'm here in Southern California where our investigators have discovered a cache of boxes. Yeah, it looks like there are boxes behind you. Why don't you move your camera a little, Mickey? There are so a lot of... Do- there are, there are a lot of documents here, Bob. The center of the, put those boxes in the center of the screen. Cause I, 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 I can't because I will lose uh, bandwidth. But here they are. Uh, and there's an old Volvo in the garage, too. And there have to be some classified documents in these boxes. There are a lot of boxes here. And the owner used to work for the government. So some of them are going to be classified. We've notified the archives. And they'll be sending investigators out here shortly. Have uh, you thought about it, appointing a special prosecutor, Mickey? I think that will happen in due course, but it's worse than that, Bob. I'm going to go inside this house and show you something else that will really shock you. Looking forward to that. Just a sec. Okay. Okay. Folks, this is pioneering journalism. You know, this is, uh, we're working without a net here. Mickey is testing the limits of his bandwidth, his, his router, his, and the patience of our audience, uh, (laughs) which, Probably is not going to hold out as long as his bandwidth will. Oh, he's inside. Okay, now Bob, Bob, yeah, Bob, Mickey. look at this. Look at what's behind me. Okay, uh, it looks like walls, a door. That's amazing. Jeez, oh, a bed, no. unmade bed. Whose bed is that? What a no, Bob. Bed. What is that? What? A Marantz what is that stereo? There? No, uh, an In... oven, an oven, a gas stove. Yes, Bob. Like... This is a crime scene. It's been now, Mickey, it's been walled off with yellow tape. Oh my I God, mean, Mickey! The links we, you go to to bore our audience are we, commendable. We have we have we have classified documents and a gas stove. This That's is a harmonic convergence of 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 crimes in the news. Oh, plus I saw a little ring light in the background. Has vanity afflicted us as we get older, Mickey? I have a I have a ring light. I used it last time. Did you? I was going to yeah. comment last time on how marvelous you look. But, Mickey, listen, let me tell you something. Here's how much I've been off of Twitter, off of the grid. I caught wind of this gas stove thing, but I still don't know what it's about. I honestly don't. I've seen repeated references to it. I haven't had time to, like, go to the source and find out. I, I, I am kind of assuming that there's some dispute between the left and the right over what kinds of stoves it's appropriate to use given current well, there, policy it, imperatives or something? What The what answer is, is there is a campaign against gas stoves mm-hmm. uh, on the grounds that uh, we should electrify everything and they I assume there's a global warming basis for it but the uh, the argument that's being made it's a safety argument that it emits noxious fumes. Mm. In California they're scheduled to be phased out in 2030. Many Cities have uh, banned the hookups uh, for gas. Uh, Don't ban hookups, and- Mickey. Well, we'll lose the we'll lose the okay. millennial and Z generation uh, Z connections. Stuff. Connections, okay. Okay. Um, and uh, and and so it is a it is a cause that many municipalities have have taken up uh, the war on cooking. Uh, but um, Rich Trumpka Jr., who is on some Consumer Product Commission said, hey, maybe we should consider banning these federally. Mm-hmm. And he's only one of five members, but the right latched onto this as now they want to, you know, ban gas stoves. And the left's first reaction was, no, we're not going to ban gas stoves. And now it's becoming clear that many places they do want to ban gas stoves. So now it's, yes, we do want to ban gas stoves and it's a good thing. Wait, where do and, they want to? Where who who? Where is there really a threat of gas stoves being banned? Well, in California, they're uh, they're um, you they're changing the building code so you can't have uh, hookups, and so new construction. Mickey, Mickey, again, hookups are fine. Okay, we hookups. Um, um, we we envy hookuppers. We love them. Uh, so there's they're practicing gas celibacy, Bob, and. Uh-huh. Uh, that's and uh, in, in 2030, in 2030, they're supposed to be completely phased out. It's going to be, um, you know, I think all buildings have to be have capacity to have electric stoves. And then and then they're going to be banned for new construction. They're not hmm. coming to take your okay, gas. They're not stove. coming to take your stove. 
but they are going to they are going to phase them out for new construction in California. And uh, you know, California leads the nation. Other states may follow suit. It's a it's a genuine cause. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the studies showing that it's unsafe seem very shaky. Mm-hmm. You know, they they assume you're going to keep all the windows closed. The the uh, the fumes from what you're cooking are much stronger than the fumes from the gas. Mm-hmm. It's also very efficient energy-wise to use gas. There's nothing less efficient than using electricity to heat heating coil that then heats up something. I mean, that's why electric heat is so wildly inefficient. And uh, so I think uh, there's going to be a lively debate now about uh, should we have gas stoves? And it's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's the news environment we're in, Bob. We're talking about ridiculous documents that are completely meaningless in, in you know, in that we're never going to be leaked to anybody. And this is like the, the story of the century. And we're talking about gas stoves. So it's a slow news week. Not so much. I mean, didn't some real stuff happen this week? Happened in uh, Ukraine, but I don't want to get a, I don't want to get ahead of the game. Uh, didn't some uh, real well, Ukraine was on my list, but what else? What else do you think happened? Uh, I'm trying to think. I mean, a lot of it is kind of parrot room type fare. A lot of people died. A number of people died. Um, but uh, several we're talking about. But uh, I don't know. You tell me. It seems like some news happened. Well, I mean, I, I thought well, you were going to eagerly embrace the document story because you've been tweeting the hell out of it. Well, the doc. I, I think the document story is bullshit. It's bullshit in Trump's case. It's bullshit in Biden's case. There's wild overclassification. There's there's very little chance there's any sort of threat to national security in either case. People casually take these documents all the time that are classified. It's just it's it's a it's a, a grand falloon in search of a MacGuffin. I mean, there's like there's. There's nothing to it. There's nothing at the <laughs> So Grand Falloon is from a Vonnegut thing, and that refers to what? A kind of... I thought that it's was a, a false kind of carass. tribe. It's a false tribe. So a it's carass people, people is a who tribe are connected. that has a legitimate commonality of interest or, or right. some kind of legitimate affinity. And a Grand Falloon is a, is a, is a tribe that... what? What's an example of a Grand Falloon? A, a tribe that, that's connected in some bullshit way. I don't know. This is a good one. People who care about classified documents, uh, and uh, and then a MacGuffin is what is another. A MacGuffin st- is the is the the thing that propels the plot of a movie. Everybody's chasing after, you know, the nuclear triodes or whatever it is, uh, the 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 cure for all the world's illness. The there's always something very important that they're chasing after. The grandful that- in search of a MacGuffin. Listen, it's it's difficult in the age of the internet to come up with a phrase that you can. Uh, cannot Google without finding that somebody has already used it. But I suspect we got a winner here, Mickey. I think you may have been be the first person to ever say, you know what this is? It's a grand falloon in search of a MacGuffin. It's a grand falloon in search of a MacGuffin led by a rang rang. I think that seals it. I think this, you can copyright <laughs> this one. What is a the, rang rang? You know what a rang rang is? A rang yeah. rang is also from Cat's Cradle by Kurt Vonnegut. And it's a somebody who by their, by their bad example, leads you to avoid a false path in life. Oh. So, um, anyway, they, they, so I, I think it's all a bullshit story. It shouldn't be a threat to Biden. It shouldn't be a threat to Trump. They should drop all of it. It's an incredible waste of manpower. When you find out that Hunter Biden was sneaking into Biden's garage and selling state secrets for crack, mm-hmm. not completely impossible, then we have a case. But until then... It, you know, unless they're really important secrets or they're being leaked to a foreign power, it's just like much to do about nothing. And I and I thought I it's like the Hillary's email story, which I always thought was bullshit, too. Yeah. It's well, just, I mean, it's, you know, Trump's a little responsible for his thing being blown out of proportion, assuming that's what it is, because he, you know, when contacted by the archive, when subpoenaed, he resisted the subpoenas. He, he like refused to turn them over for a while. Right. I mean, Biden, right. the Biden people found them. They turned them over. Now, is there something shady about the timing? Did they know about well, them before the midterm election? Well, here's here's th- there you've hit on something, and I wanted Thank to you. talk about that. They 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 searched the office. Somebody searched the office. This is a, an office that's not at the White House. It's in Washington D.C. I think it's near GW, maybe or something. Anyway, it's a it's an outpost of the University of Pennsylvania, where you taught, Bob. 
So you're I, implicated I, I actually in this? Think the, I believe the Biden, I did teach at Penn, but the, I think the Biden Penn Center is in Washington, possibly. Okay, but it's affiliated with Penn University with Penn. of Pennsylvania. Anyway, it's an office he had there. They, they looked at boxes in that office seven days, six days before the election, okay? Mm -hmm. And they didn't reveal it. They told the Department of Justice when they found these 10 or so classified documents. We're just taking their word for it. And But they didn't tell the public until two months later. So mm -hmm. obviously, they, they didn't want this to come out right before the election. But if you were worried about it coming out right before the election, why would you search before the election? Why wouldn't you wait seven days till the election was over? Then you search, then there's no chance of affecting the election. So the timing is very odd. Did something force their hand that they had to search early? Was it found by accident? Was, were, um, were they searching for something else? I mean, maybe mm -hmm. they, maybe they just were looking at the, uh, so my, I have a whole bunch of crazy conspiracy theories. The best of them. You know, there could be an Epstein connection. You realize that, right, Mickey? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But there could be. Who knows? Well, Who knows? no, the Epstein connection would seal the deal. But um, or our Leslie Wexner connection. That's all we'll settle for now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We had um, a good one last week. In the uh, fair. So. Um, but why were they searching this thing where they really say, OK, right before the election? I know. Let's search. Let's search Biden's offices to see if we can come up with any classified documents, because that'd be really embarrassing to us if it ever came out. So let's do mm -hmm. it. That seems implausible. Mm -hmm. uh, what's more plausible, but barely more plausible, is they were worried about some like second Watergate break-in into this office, so they were checking it for signs that it was, documents were stolen. There was a break-in, and the Democrats, the Republicans, were going to use this against Biden right before the election. It was going to be an October surprise, or in, in this case, maybe a November surprise. And they ha happened to while they were doing it, they happened to come across these classified documents. That's a crazy conspiracy theory, but it's not implausible. You know, the other thing is, you know, some janitor found them and, and like said, I'm going to go to the press. And they said, no, no, you, who knows? Um, it's You know, Mickey, for a guy who thinks that this whole thing is bullshit, you're capable of holding forth about it for quite some time. I suspect well, if it, I hadn't intervened just now, you'd still be talking. No, me. that's sort of that's sort of it. Uh, the. Um, uh, it, it dovetails with the. Because because Hunter was living in the house apparently while these documents were there mm -hmm. during one of his crack periods, it dovetails with the Hunter story, which was in the news because the the special prosecutor Weiss, who's investigating Hunter, is supposedly about mm -hmm. to indict or ready to indict in the spring, mm -hmm. uh, and the New York Times, perhaps in anticipation of this, produced a big account of Hunter's life. That supposedly showed it more nuanced uh, than we previously thought. It didn't really, and it was very credulous. Uh, it uh, the best incident, uh, the best uh, the best sentence in it was about how uh, Hunter he'd written he 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 had this crazy scheme with China. They were going to buy natural gas leases. Mm -hmm. And and this is the one where there was one of the people wrote and 10 percent for the big guy. Mm -hmm. And 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 we think the big guy was Biden. Biden may have never known about this. Uh, the whole thing never also, really got I off mean, the it ground. Wouldn't have been a, it wouldn't have been illegal if it had been Biden because he wasn't in office. Right. I mean, it wouldn't it wouldn't have been a bribery situation or even implicitly. Right. I don't think so. I, it, they could have involved bribery. I mean, they were obviously using their influence somebody's influence well, no but i mean if nobody's, in office, if nobody's in office giving the money can't be bribery that's my point it couldn't have i'm saying it couldn't have been bribed well the people who gave these leases might have been bribed but probably they would just be lobbied well i mean maybe Is that, <laughs> and, and you know and and, and it, it, it's all arranged by china uh by an entity with close ties to the chinese government so they're arranging this entity that will funnel millions of dollars to biden well, that could then, be bribery then, then elon musk is equally under suspicion everyone who does business I mean, with a chinese this guy, company this guy uh, in any way i think this guy gave Apple. i think this guy gave hunter diamond hunter biden a very precious diamond as sort of a lanyap as an opening gift Hunter's so a very likable guy. He's a likable some, guy. I would, some, him, I would give him something. I would give him a gift. There's some value right there. Anyway, anyway. Well, you know, he, you know he, the good news for the Biden family, Mickey, and the Biden administration, 
is that it isn't the case that these documents came to light because Hunter took them to a Kinko's to have them copied and forgot to retrieve them. That would be worse than the current document scheme. That would be in character. But um, let me finish this story, okay? Mm. He, um, he, Hunter wrote this, Hunter rented an office for this outfit, this, 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 uh, this Chinese outfit. And, uh, and, and he wrote a letter to his landlord saying, and could you change the nameplate to sub, you know, Hudson Ventures, whatever the name of the company was, and the mm-hmm. Biden Foundation? And he listed he he listed Joe Biden as his office mate. Okay, um, and mm-hmm. his explanation is he he was boasting to the landlord because he was worried the landlord would would cancel his lease because the video camera caught him sneaking a homeless man into the lobby. So they could both smoke crack together. Okay, that's that's his excuse. That's his alibi. Is I was just smoking crack for the homeless guy. Okay, uh, and this shows you know, how Hunter's Hunter's degeneracy is his best defense now. Yeah, you know, it's getting to the point where you could raise questions about Hunter Biden's judgment. I think. <laughs> Tell me if I'm going too far. Well, but it, it, I thought this it actually made him look good. He he he's achieved social equality. He's not too snobby to hang with the homeless guy. Maybe he read your book. Uh, that's probably true, you know. Um, so that, that, that it's worked. My book reads. My book reads much better on crack because <laughs> you can get through like the fourth chapter, which is unreadable, and hey, break through that, into the rest of the book. You saw that Mike Pompeo solved the blurb problem. You know how awkward it is to ask for blurbs. He just asked himself. There's only one blurb in his <laughs> book. Apparently, you saw this, right? No, I didn't. No, it's like in quotes with the publicity material, there's a quote, you know, you go, oh, what's the quote? And it says something like, oh, I wish I had the exact thing. It's like I tried to tell my most blah, blah, you know, these are really interesting stories or something that I told uh, quote, Mike Pompeo. <laughs> that's it. Well, that's, you know, they've he's eliminated the back scratching. You you yeah. blurred my book. I black. I right. mean, it's like. It's like any earmarks. It's a major reform. You know what he's probably doing is guarding against corruption in the event that he should be elected president. He wanted to make sure he won't owe anybody anything. So he didn't approach anybody for a blurb. I applaud that. Anyway, this this New York Times thing was very credulous. It had like one of the thing. one of the charges is that the way Biden profited is that Hunter paid for some of Biden's expenses. Mm-hmm. And they say, oh, well, there was this guy, Schwerin, who was an advisor to both of them, and he had access to both accounts. And occasionally he would pay Biden's bills with Hunter's money and uh, money mm-hmm. from Hunter account. He assured mm-hmm. it was repaid. That, but the Biden people swear that, you know, Hunter and Joe did not have access to each other's accounts. Well, yeah, but this other guy did. So what the fuck? I mean, it, it, it's wh- why is that a defense? Uh, yeah. And the other thing is, uh, with the China thing, the ten percent for the big guy, uh, they, the Times said. But the the sources say that Biden did not participate in any negotiations with the Chinese, and never met with them. Well, yeah. So mm-hmm. what? The question is, isn't did he meet them? The question is, is he getting ten percent of the profits of this outfit that the China these Chinese government related entities set up? Um, right. So. It's it's a complete non-defense, and then the, the, time time and again the Times offers these bullshit defenses, uh, you know, to something that could there, there could actually be something to this. I I wouldn't bet my hat on it, but well, if any of this, the documents thing, the Hunter stuff, can make it less likely that Biden will be on the Democratic ticket in 2024, well, I'm in favor. Well, well that's of, the. Uh, the pressing on the accelerator. That, that's the other conspiracy theory is they were looking at it because the deep state now wants to get rid of Biden uh, because mm-hmm. he serves his purpose and oh, he might lose. Theory. And but then it's just the question still, why did they look for it before the election? Uh, because that, because that, no, because they, they don't want the Republicans to do well in the midterms. Uh, now that the Republicans uh, are the party of non-intervention in abroad, right. relatively speaking. So deep state doesn't want the Republicans to do well right. in the midterm, but they don't want Biden because he's incompetent enough or or is is kind of, uh, it, he could lose the next election, in which case you'd have some Trumpists in the White House. 
So it's all consistent. They want to keep Trumpists away from power. Right. But, but that doesn't mean why they would do it before the election when it could only help Republicans in the midterms if they found something. Oh, oh, you uh, think they, they don't want to help do Republicans in the midterms. They want them to lose. So oh, okay. why not I wait till after asking... the election, get the goods on Biden and, and then leak them to the press and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Excellent uh, question. So much for that theory. Oh, well, anyway, hey, uh, it is it is stunning that over half of Republicans now don't want to aid Ukraine. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, it is funny. I noticed that looking at some polling data that, uh, the, you know, the, the, the teams have the teams have flipped on foreign inter, uh, intervention, in this case, proxy intervention. And I, um, I, I assume that's why Condi Rice and Gates wrote this editorial saying we have to get arms to Ukraine now because there may not be the money for the arms later. The support is dwindling. So they got to shoot their wad now. Yeah, so they they co-authored a piece. You know, last week I said uh, we're giving Ukraine these Brad Bradley fighting vehicles. I think this is kind of a threshold, and we're going to see more and more heavy arms of this kind. You know, armored right. vehicles and things. And I, I got to say that that op-ed by Condi and Bob Gates was uh, possibly vindication of my uh, my claim. Uh, let me let me uh, interesting footnote uh, to uh, Condi and Bob Gates. Uh, do uh, you know being now cheerleaders for arming Ukraine to the hilt? Because, and this, uh, I was reminded of this. I wrote uh, a newsletter piece uh, in the non-zero newsletter, and then the one I put out yesterday, I wrote about this. Uh, you know, we've all heard that the, um, you know, the current head of the CIA, Bill Burns, who was ambassador to Moscow in 2008. Uh, sent two kinds of warnings about the uh, extending uh, a NATO invitation to Ukraine. Uh, one was a memo that he sent broadly, but he also sent an email to Condi, which he says in his memoirs, she did share with Bob Gates. Now, she was Secretary of State. I guess Bob Gates was at that point National Security Advisor. I'm not quite sure. I don't uh, think Gates but, was ever national security, but wasn't he the Secretary of Defense? Okay, he was Secretary of Defense, but she also shared it with Hadley, who was the National Security Advisor, I think, right? So okay. these three people read this email in 2008. This is right before the NATO summit, where Bush is going to, uh, is seems that he's going to try to talk the Europeans into accepting an extension, uh, an invitation uh, to Ukraine to join um, NATO. And uh, let's see. So uh, I've quoted parts of this in other podcasts, but uh, he wrote. So the, they all three got this email in 2008. Uh, Burns writes, quote. Ukrainian entry into NATO is the brightest of all red lines for the Russian elite, not just Putin. In more than two and a half years of conversations with key Russian players, from knuckle draggers in the dark recesses of the Kremlin to Putin's sharpest liberal critics, I have yet to find anyone who views Ukraine and NATO as anything other than a direct challenge to, to Russian interests. And then he adds that it is, quote, hard to overstate the strategic consequences, unquote, of offering Ukraine NATO <laughs> membership because it would, and again, I quote, because doing so would, quote, create fertile soil for Russian meddling in Crimea and eastern Ukraine. Okay. Now he sent them that email. And and I feel sure that the three of them together, had they seen fit, could have dissuaded Bush from pressing the Europeans for inviting uh, Ukraine into NATO. They didn't. He pushed. Now he wasn't wholly uh, uns he wasn't wholly successful. Uh, he, they, they what they did do is uh, you know they didn't formally uh, extend. Uh, they didn't they didn't formally invite. Ukraine to join. There's a, a process called a, a MAP membership application process. But they did say something. The quote is almost like Ukraine will become a member of NATO. What? They basically guaranteed it. And this is this is the Bucharest dec declaration that Bush and these people, you know, the Bush team did succeed in getting uh, NATO to extend. And then and some of us believe that had they not, history might have been different. But what I want to add is Here's what Burns says in his memoirs, which this is only a few years ago. So as of like three years ago, he's writing the following about the outcome of the Bucharest summit in 2008, which, again, results from them not having heeded his warning. He writes about three years ago. This is a guy who's now head of the CIA. 
Uh, it was, quote, the worst of both worlds, the outcome of the Bucharest summit, indulging the Ukrainians and Georgians in hopes of NATO membership on which we were unlikely to deliver while reinforcing Putin's sense that we were determined to pursue a course he saw as an existential threat. I want to underscore that because a lot of people, including in the Biden administration, are saying, oh, this stuff about NATO is bullshit. He really just wants to be Peter the Great or whatever. Again, the current head of the CIA, former ambassador to Moscow, as of like three years ago, right before he joined the Biden administration, says that Putin did see this as, quote, an existential threat. What? I rest my case. What is this guy now up to as head of the CIA? Damage control. I mean, he's in a war uh, and he's helping Ukraine. The CIA is extending massive help to Ukraine, critical help. And, uh, you know, he's he's a team player. I mean, uh, and look, I, I he does not have a sunny view of Putin. I want to be clear. He, he's somebody who's capable of really disliking someone that becomes clear in his memoirs while not letting the dislike distort his view, uh, distort his cognitive empathy, distort his view of what I was just I was just going to say, isn't there a phrase that describes this ability to understand the other person's rational motives, even if you don't like them? Cognitive empathy, my hobby horse, always um, good to understand what people are up to, whether enemies, friends or frenemies. Um, I thought there was a contradiction in the Rice Gates piece, which is they say, you know, time is not on Ukraine's side. Uh, you know, Russia is it, it, they've they now have this huge new conscription, half a million people. Uh, they're ready for a spring offensive. They have all sorts of uh, tricks they could pull. And and so, so time is not on Russia's side. Therefore, we have to arm Ukraine to the hilt. But we shouldn't ask them to negotiate. Well, if time's not on their side, isn't now the time to negotiate when the situation is better than it might be in a year? They were uh, saying time is not on our side, on Ukraine's no, side? No, they said time is, on, time is not on Ukraine's side. Right, which I... I kind of agree with, although that's contingent on the politics within Russia, which we don't wholly understand. You know, can Putin sustain support for further and mobilizations? I, if he can, I think they're absolutely right. And I guess I guess they think that if they give them enough weapons, these Abram tanks, which require this incredible supply chain to keep fuel, mm -hmm. they're the biggest gas clusters on the planet, uh, will somehow, you know, turn the tide uh, and then all the Bradley fighting vehicles, etc., uh, so that the time will be on Ukraine's side once they get these weapons. Nikki, maybe that's the way to keep Biden from sending him Abrams tanks is to underscore the carbon emissions. They should yeah, be electric tanks, obviously. Electric. But listen, actually, uh, Condi and Gates, uh, I call her Condi uh, since we've never met, um, Condi, Rice, and Gates explicitly excluded Abrams tanks. That's the one thing they are not recommending sending. They're saying there are enough pretty heavy European tanks just send those. And, and that seems to be happening. These leopard tanks. Apparently, Poland is saying they want to send some that will require German permission. But that puts pressure on Germany. They'll probably say yes. Anyway, but everything else, uh, Gates and Rice want to send them, including, you know, fighter jets and and uh, and uh, advanced drones and all kinds of things. And there is I, I sense I mean, there is a certain amount of this kind of uh, momentum for doing this. And it's funny. Uh, you know, it seems like all all talking points <laughs> work in favor of sending them more arms. When Ukraine is doing well, it's like, OK, we can do this. We can push them. We just need <laughs> some more weapons. And when Ukraine is on its heels and at the moment, which uh, let's talk about a little this week, they seem to be a little on their heels. It's like, oh, my God, we need weapons, um, which, you know, both are plausible arguments in and of themselves, I guess. I, but I isn't isn't. Uh weapons one thing and sharing satellite information and, and having our, our basically our our satellites do spying for ukraine seems much more dangerous because it implicates us in the war effort uh you know more closely and if putin wanted to broaden the war to include us uh that would be a pretty good excuse but we're already doing that stuff right i mean uh yeah and maybe we should a stop well, I don't think that's going to happen. That, that's been completely vital. We've had a big intelligence edge, I think, by virtue of our, uh, you know, because uh, the now Russia, I think, has succeeded in getting a hold of some uh, sort of satellite surveillance imagery 
from private contractors through third parties since they wouldn't sell them to Russia directly. But still, I think we have a huge edge over real time uh, on real time battlefield intelligence. We're giving that to the Ukrainians. Uh, they, and they, I, they, I think they, you're going to see a lot more weapons. We we couldn't give them the ability to do that if was with uh, working with Starlink somehow and they wouldn't need us, our satellites. I don't know. Starlink, those aren't surveillance satellites. They're communication satellites. Those have been important in sustaining their communications infrastructure. But but I'm talking about uh, real-time or close-to-real-time surveillance. Right. You know, I I, I was thinking that that it surveils in real-time, then it sends the message to everybody via Starlink. Um, Well, that may may play a role. Starlink uh, has been important in it for communications. Okay, well... um, so are you are you worried that Russia will do something crazy like involve us or nuke somebody? Nobody seems worried well, about that. Well, not at the moment. I mean, the the time to worry about nukes and 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 things like that. You know, I mean, there's always every day is a time to worry about a war expanding. But uh, the time to worry about that big time is if they're on. You know, they're being pushed back and back and back to a point where. This is clearly a big political loss for Putin that endangers his regime, I think. And and this week, Russia scored what was its biggest success uh, in about six months, which is partly a comment on how little success it's had over the last six months. But they did take this town of Solidar. It's only 10,000 people, you know, even before the war started. That was the population. But it's first of all, it's immediately to the north of Bakhmut, uh, which is more like 100,000 people. And, uh, you know, Bakhmut is the town they've been trying to get, which in itself isn't the big enchilada, but is considered the gateway to what is the big enchilada in Donetsk, which is these two uh, cities of what, Kramatorsk and I think Slovyansk, these twin cities. Uh, if Russia got those, I mean, there's two problems, okay? If Russia gets those, uh, then it has, it can say it pretty much has all of Donetsk, at least in terms of large population centers. Now, you may say there's an upside there because then Russia will be especially interested in cutting a deal. He'll, he, he can say, I got the two Donbass provinces, whatever. Uh, that, that may be true. But the other, the other thing apparently is that like those two cities are the last line of defense before the Dnieper River. So once Russia, if Russia takes those two cities, it may be able to relatively easily take a ton of more territory up to the river. Anyway, right now where we are, to step back from that, is, you know, you can think of there being two big lines of defense before the river. One is where those two cities are. And then one is where the Russians are right now. Uh, they, 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 the kind of Bakhmut area. And they don't have Bakhmut yet, but this 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 village they've taken. Or I thought I, thought, taken, I yeah. thought it was in dispute whether they've taken the village and the Wagner Act. The Wagner Act. The Wagner group claims to have. Uh, it was a Wagner take, Act. Yeah, taking. claims to have taken it, and uh, and other pe- and the Russians uh, disputed that. They denied that they taken it. I thought. Well, the Russian government. There's some tension between the Wagner group and some elements in the Russian government. You know, this guy, Prigozhin, who runs the Wagner Group, this private mercenary group that, you know, is very, has been very closely aligned. He's a chef? Well, yeah, I mean, he he made a lot of money via big catering contracts for Putin. He's known as Putin Chef uh, as a nickname. Uh, But the Wagner Group has become this big thing. And, uh, you know, uh, he's, and I think, uh, there's, there's two different people, kinds of people saying he may not have taken the town yet. One is elements in the Russian government who don't want him to get all the credit. And the other is Ukrainians. But so far as I can tell, and you're right, it's still a little hazy. As far as I can tell, uh, they've gotten Solidar. And now the question is, can they use that to help encircle either break through right there, break through that line of defense and go for the two big cities or more likely try to encircle Bakhmut? And then be in possession of a of a large town as they prepare for the advance on those two cities. Um, that that seems to be the uh, and the advance on the two cities is the fabled spring offensive, or it's a precursor to the fabled spring offensive. 
I think it's the most likely thing for the Russians to try. Um, whether, I mean, you know, you either do this during the winter when the ground is hard, or you wait, or you do it in late spring, early summer when the ground isn't soggy, uh, as I understand it. Um, you never know. If there's a big breakthrough, they would press their advantage because they've got a couple of months of frozen ground ahead of them. Um, and uh, the other thing I'd say is, I would guess that um, if you're going to do this, uh, I don't know what I'm talking about, so never mind. I, I, I would think that Bakhmut is, in a certain sense, less essential if you're doing it than the, in the winter than if you want to try to do it in the early spring. But uh, that's I, I have no idea what I'm talking about. Um, so finally, I would just say there are concerns. I had mentioned this a long time ago uh, about the the uh, the cost paid by uh, Ukraine in fighting so fiercely for both Bakhmut and Solidar. I mentioned a few weeks ago that, look, you know, the, the, the Wagner group, they got a lot of guys who are just prisoners. And the deal was you serve for six months. If you don't die, you don't you get out of prison, you know. Um, and apparently they've just been flooding the zone with these guys uh, who are, you know, they're just cannon fodder. Um, meanwhile, the, and, and a lot of them dying uh, and some regular soldiers, for sure, for Russia are dying. But, you know, the, the the Ukrainians dying are, by and large, not prisoners, right? They're more valuable troops. And uh, there was a piece in the Wall Street Journal just a couple of days ago uh, saying, well, let me just quote, Western and some Ukrainian officials, soldiers and analysts increasingly worry that Kiev has allowed itself to be sucked into the battle for Bakhmut on Russian terms, losing the forces it needs for a planned spring offensive as it stubbornly clings to a town of limited strategic relevance. Some of them say it would make sense to retreat to a new defensive line on the heights west of Bakhmut. So in that case, they'd still be holding that second defensive line, but it wouldn't be in Bakhmut, I guess, uh, and so on. So, um, you know, that's a concern that this is kind of a big win for Russia. It came at relatively little cost when you look at the quality of troops that were sacrificed, um, less, at least less cost than, than Ukraine paid. That's the concern. I I worry that uh, uh, Rice and Gates uh, show no concern with giving Putin face-saving off-ramps. Uh, maybe I'm crazy. Maybe, obviously, they do, but... Uh, well, again, you know. they, they, they seem to have shown uh, in 2008 <laughs> not much uh, in the way of... Well, um, May, you know, tactical do, consideration of his do, state of mind. Do we know that uh, they didn't lobby for uh, for not saying Ukraine would be part of NATO? I mean, they could have been overruled by, say, Cheney, for example. Cheney goes to Bush and says, ignore these people. We need to send a strong statement that Ukraine will be part of NATO. Uh, that could have swayed. That could have carried the day. I, Cheney, I Cheney is I the one other heavyweight. But, but still, you would have. I, I mean, if everybody who read the Burns email and the memo he also wrote a memo that was more widely circulated that everybody had access to but if but if the three players that read the email had been persuaded that would have been secretary of state secretary of defense national security advisor i think they probably could have prevailed so but for all i know condi was persuaded and was outvoted by gates and or more likely the other way around gates is probably more of a realist for, than condi for some reason i trust rice's judgment am i crazy yes I think you are. Now, you know, it's funny. She started the Bush administration as a realist. Uh, I think she's maybe studied under Brent Scowcroft, who was, right. uh, you know, a real, I think, a real sage, kind of. Um, and uh, like many people, I mean, there was a time when you, when you would have thought Cheney was a realist. Uh, uh, certainly, a lot of people have thought that Gates at times was a realist. Anyway, a number of people seem to start the Bush administration, you know, for, uh, former realists who, who seem to have moved toward neocon territory as they, as the Bush administration there, proceeded. There, were, there was a lot of sort of crazy neocon talk in that piece about how uh, we've learned that we have to intervene in these fights or else we, we will be involved uh, eventually anyway, which is a recipe for getting involved in every fight every, anywhere. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and uh, you know, we, we were basically, we're, we we're fighting over there so we don't have to fight over here. I think they almost said that. Uh, 
Uh, that seems like sort of wacky stuff. Adam Schiff said literally that, I think. I mean, just to, and you and you talk about your crazy utterances. Um, Schiff of uh, Schiff, the guy the who wants to ban everybody from Twitter who criticizes him. Uh, yeah, he's a dubious character in a number of I, respects. I can't. I, um, I, I mentioned the verboten word Twitter. Our readers have our our, our viewers have rebelled rebelled against the constant talk of Twitter. So he Twitter is now like Bob Dylan shall not be named. Uh, I'm the only one who's. Oh well, yeah, that's right. They got tired of my talk about Bob Dylan. I guess there um, was a uh, there was a populist rebellion against Bob Dylan. Well, I lead the rebellion against Dylan himself. Then there's the rebellion <laughs> against me talking about him. These are right, and me talking about counterinsurgents. Yes. Right. The um, but quickly, uh, one more thing on Ukraine. Some numbers I came across is that you know most Russians support the war. Okay. But but in terms of the prospects for peace talks and what kind of uh, pressures may be on Putin, uh, what kinds of um, uh, room for maneuver he may have, the, the, the most respected poll in Russia, which is done by this Russian guy who is, is kind of pro-Western, I guess. But anyway, uh, the, the, the question was asked of people. Uh, do you think it is of Russians? Do you think it is necessary to continue military actions or proceed to negotiations? It, it was almost a binary thing. Fifty-three percent said proceed to negotiations. Forty-one percent said continued military action. So, although most people in Russia say they support the war, it looks like there's more support uh, for peace talks than for not. Meanwhile, on the American side, this is actually in today's uh, non-zero newsletter, The Earthling, but. I give it to you for free, Mickey. The um, there was a poll of Americans uh, about uh, what is it? Should we uh, urge Ukraine to settle for peace as soon as possible? In July, only thirty-eight percent of Americans uh, said yes. Uh, in November, the most recent poll I've seen, it was forty-seven. Uh, meanwhile, if you ask, should we support Ukraine for quote as long as it takes? That number dropped from fifty-eight to forty-eight. So. You know, there may be on both in both America and, and Russia some um, non-trivial support well, for it's, these. Talks. It's on both sides. It's it's becoming the elites versus the people, right? Well, you might. I mean, the yeah, we're talking foreign about foreign policy elite of Russia maybe split, but that's a good um, that's a good way of putting it. If, if there's, I would guess that there's if there's pressure on Putin to sustain and even expand the war, it is mainly, he's thinking of it as coming mainly from the elite level, I, I would guess. And the problem with your with your argument about he won't use nukes until he's in a perilous situation is the perilous situation is not dictated by the military uh, developments on the ground. It's dictated by political developments in Russia. So he can be in trouble any time. Right, and the interaction of the two, I would say. So but he, yeah. could decide, he could decide next week the only way to shore up my position is to use nukes, and then we're fucked. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think he, I, I think he'd have to have his back against the wall, but but part of the problem is, we don't know, as you're kind of saying, we don't know when he's got his back against the wall. We don't know enough about Russian politics. So, and and I worry that, you know, th there was kind of this phase of concern about nuclear war, and then it just passed, and now people like Condi and Bob Gates are acting as if it's just not there, let, let's let's push them all the way back to the borders. Um, and again, as I've said, <laughs> you that's not going to be easy to do. We can if you give them all the weapon systems they're talking about. I think you're just talking about mass carnage for a long time, maybe pushing them back to or near the borders and hoping that you don't get World War Three in the meanwhile. Well, what, what about the, the optimistic scenario? They do the spring offensive, it either fails or succeeds. Either way, you have a negotiation at the end of it uh, that will be influenced by whatever the situation on the ground is. Either Russia will want to negotiate or Ukraine will want to negotiate. Well, both of them need to want to negotiate is the problem. Now, we have the power to uh, exert significant le leverage on Ukraine because they're, they're, just, they're just toast without the weapons. Uh, but um, we we don't we can't the only i mean i will say that if there's if there's you know the virtue of the talk by people like condi and bob gates is that the more putin thinks 
that huge weapon systems are on the way, the more inclined he will be right. to want to negotiate. Now, the Biden administration could deliver that message to him privately and and hope he and hope he believes it, you know, just threaten yeah. specific weapon systems. I hope he hasn't read all the military reform literature from the 80s about how the Bradley fighting vehicle is sucks and the Abrams tank is unusable. <laughs> all these yeah. uh, all these weapon systems seem to have been improved since then, or else they were never that bad in the first place, because the Bradley fighting vehicle did was used in the Iraq war and apparently successfully. Yeah, I, I don't know much about this. I mean, this the, stuff. The, all I remember of the Bradley is you always see pictures of the troops walking alongside the Bradley vehicle because they know that if they get in the Bradley vehicle, it's a death trap. I was thinking, what's it because, you know, Bradley, the bigger version of it or whatever, the more capacious version holds three crew members and six infantrymen. And and it's like you look at the thing and those six guys can't be having a good time. <laughs> They're like <laughs> in a very small pit with no windows. Uh, and uh, I wouldn't want to be in one of those if it got, you know, it's like there's going to be no way out if it gets hit, you know. Right. That was the problem. Um, um, my alarm so, just went off, which I think means we've been that that I think this is about the 45 we, minute warning. OK, we have a lot of stuff to talk about, I think, in the parrot room. Mm -hmm. uh, Name. I am. Um, there's some substantive stuff like Ron Brownstein wrote a good article about Biden's pivot to help the working class. Uh, there is a question of is artificial intelligence biased? Does it exhibit liberal bias? And there's a Nate Hockman of National Review did a test that seemed fairly uh, not conclusive, but suggestive that, yes, AI has, has gone woke. It's it's already been taken over. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Noah Smith, I think is his name, yeah. claims that woke has peaked. It's on the way out. Does he offer any evidence for this? Good question. Uh, big profile of Matt Iglesias. In the style, uh, is it still called the style section in the physical? I Washington think so. Post? Yes, that's yes. that's just kind of inherently funny, you know. Isn't that the Glacius would be a harbor uh, and now, if you remember style, what the style icon, I just if you remember what the style section represented when we were at the New Republic, like in the in the eighties, nineties, early nineties. Um, there's just something funny about it. I don't know. We can talk. It about was that a great section. It was a great section. It was a it was, I mean, it was a well written piece about Matt. Let's talk about it in the parable. It, it had it had a lot of the the, the 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 key thing about the style section in in back in the day. It had really good writing. It had all these writers that like took yeah. six months to write a piece, but when they delivered the piece, it was really good. Well, this uh, this was I thought well written. Although I do want to ask you in the parable room. Don't tell us now. Don't spoil it. People should have to pay for this, Mickey. What he meant. When he referred to Andrew Sullivan's quote "brain," brain. I, I I meant to look up the word. I'll look it up. We'll get to the bottom of this. Um. Um. Okay. Because Matt and Andrew and Glenn and Glenn Greenwald something because those three are consecutive in the in the right. Substack leaderboard. They're right. They're they're lumped together. And so he mentioned um, about Um. You know who else has a Substack now? Who doesn't? Wouldn't it be faster to say who doesn't? My wife doesn't. Uh, Sam Bankman Freed. Oh, excellent. <laughs> Wait, who was who was coming out? Oh, I know this big VC uh, guy, not VC guy, but uh, hedge fund guy. Is it Ackerman or Ackman? You know, the guy. He's yeah. pretty well known. I went saw him at a party. That's the kind of parties I go to. But we didn't speak. But anyway, he came out. He's coming out in defense of Sam Bankman Freed, saying it's not clear he's done anything wrong. Huh. Yeah, well, he's going to make so much money on his Substack, he'll be able to pay everybody off pretty quick. Um, that's maybe the ticket is, you know, if he's if it's anything like my Substack newsletter, he'll be able to refund uh, all the money within a week or two. Um, just, just uh, the cash. Hey, now. Uh, uh, I have more, but I thought I would give you a chance to do you your know, part by to... suggesting more topics. Well, first of all, we sometimes talk about uh, obituaries. Um, Jeff Beck died. Uh, so did uh, Lisa Marie Presley. And I don't know, did you know Blake Hounshell? The, uh, I, I interacted with him a little on Twitter. I, I didn't yeah. know him. I knew him a little. I want to talk about him. Very sad. Uh, it, it, it's, yeah, it seems bizarre. Um, 
as that. No, you just you just never you never know. I have another on. angle on that, which we'll talk about. Okay. Um. um the uh, and let's see. I did have a list of. Uh, go ahead and uh, what else do you want to talk about? Uh, uh there. Uh, there was a ridiculous article by. I guess it's Robert Draper on Newt Gingrich. There was a huge raise for congressman that snuck in under the wire. Uh, there's uh, White Lotus, and Bob, I made the mistake of watching the Golden Globes, where the lead character of White Lotus spoils the plot. Oh, yeah, big just saying, mistake. Big mistake. Just saying. Uh, um, yeah, well, as long as she's done that, we can talk about it. Uh, just saying. I, well, I, I want your permission to do something radical with respect to White Lotus. There was an article by Julius Krein on ESG, which Uh is the corporate uh, government goes woke. And uh, Krein is very smart and always has something to say. I didn't quite understand this. We could talk about it. I have a crazy conspiracy theory about McCarthy's cliffhanging speaker vote and Matt Gates. I have a saga of Mickey tries to get a hearing aid. Oh, Mickey, that's sad. Um, and there are all sorts of new technical developments, which I've stolen from John Ellis's newsletter. Okay. Which we can talk about. And uh, there are artificial bots that let you talk to Carl Kautsky. Is that the guy's Kautsky. name? Who is he? He's a great uh, Viennese satirist, I believe. Radical leftist. And he 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 through AI he comments on events of the day. He would he could take my place or your place in the parrot room. He'd probably be much funnier. Which is a patreon.com slash parrot room. Um should people anyway, want to uh, should people be intrigued by anything we've just said? And uh, uh that's a lot, Nikki. I mean, we got plenty. There's uh, a lot. There's a lot. I'm interested in the AI thing in particular. I've been I've been trying to keep up on uh, Chat GPT developments. There's a lot okay. of them. Microsoft. You realize, like this is basically a, it's becoming a Microsoft asset fundamentally. Correct. Uh, um, okay. I learned that from John Ellis too. They spent they spent like thirty billion dollars on Chat GPT already. In terms of free server time, you mean? Uh, they, yeah. They've invested ten, I think, but or something like that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it, I think it's I, uh, people in the know seem to think it's worth it, and it's kind of a coup. Yeah, but uh, we'll see. But expect it to show up in the Microsoft search engine uh, in Bing, Bing, um, uh, among other places, in your office apps, possibly. We'll see. Uh, it's okay. going to re- it's going to replace Clippy. <laughs> Clippy was retired long ago, I'm happy to say, but uh and uh we've long been waiting to see what what the next act would be. All right. So we'll we'll see people in the parrot room and the ones we don't see there we'll see next week. And you'll see the parrot, you wouldn't necessarily hear the parrot. Now the parrot's got microphone issues. Uh but but it's such an attractive uh, a parrot that just uh, seeing is enough. I, I like to say. And we just like to watch, yeah. We just okay. like to watch. All right. See ya. See ya.